Welcome to Black Health Matters. I'm Daryl Armistead, your host. This episode is a Zoom recording of Howard University group session led by Dr. Clive Callender. Well, today we're, we're fortunate to have an internationally renowned uh, surgeon, Dr. Lewis Ivey, who has been honored in so many different ways. It's hard to, to capture all of the things he's done in his long career. Uh, he probably is uh, must be noted as a Penn State graduate. Uh, he's one of the uh, really a black graduate, and a founding member of the Capra Alpha fraternity there. Uh, he's many firsts, <laughs> and uh, he was the first black officer to, uh, from their program. And uh, uh, it's interesting because he also uh, majored in German as well. And, uh, that seems to be funny because he wound up uh, in the uh, in duty in Germany. Uh, and so uh, uh, it's he was well fitted for what followed. And service in the, uh, in the, uh, uh, service in the, I guess, in the Navy, I guess you call it, right? Uh, it's a service in the USS New Jersey. Uh, and uh, he's known not only to be the uh, first uh, black officer, but also uh, has been uh, been called back to duty. Uh, he, he is also uh, duly noted because he is, uh, uh, because he was the first uh, black officer. He has uh, actually has uh, a voucher which has uh, an annual award in his name. Uh, he is retired from the Navy as captain. That, that's just talking about his uh, military career. And we haven't even talked yet about his uh, surgical career because he was uh, trained by the great C. Walton Lillehigh in New York and uh, was actually the first black uh, surgeon to be trained in open heart surgery. And actually uh, did special training in Milwaukee under the pioneer, uh, Bentley Johnson. Came back and then actually did the first uh, uh, coronary artery surgery uh, at Howard University. Uh, he doesn't mention this, but he also uh, uh, actually started the ICU at uh, Howard University. Uh, but what is interesting is that in addition to all of this, uh, he, he also uh, was chairman of the Hospital. And then in 1988, he decided to uh, take a, a different uh, career choice, and he decided to specialize in vascular surgery, particularly the treatment of venous diseases. Uh, and uh, that's why today he's going to talk about something that he's internationally renowned for. Since 1988, he's devoted his practice solely to the treatment of venous disease, with varicose veins, stasis ulcers, and other complications of untreated varicose veins. Uh, he's internationally renowned, traveling all over the world, teaching about this, and uh, so we're very fortunate to have him to talk to us about an area that that he is non-parallel, an area that no one can know, can talk about more than he. And so, thank you very much, Dr. Ivy, for, for uh, agreeing to talk to us about uh, uh, the many issues related to varicose veins and the treatment of venous disease.
thank you very much, uh, Dr. Callender, for inviting me. I'm indeed uh, honored to uh, join you for the third time, uh, but to speak for the first time. So um, I had planned to uh, spend uh, part of this morning talking about you, but uh, I'll save that for another day. Good. <laughs> <laughs> they know enough about me. <laughs> but uh, can I uh, share this screen? Carol? Um, yes, I guess. What do I have to John do? John told me that I could share it. So. Okay, yeah, sure. I just click share it. Okay. <laughs> okay, there we go. Uh, wait. Uh, I did something wrong. <laughs> now, um, I can't get back to my screen. Oh. Oh my, my, my. This is a uh, illiteracy on my part here, how to work this computer. Dr. Ivy, once you click the share screen at the bottom, uh-huh, then you go to the uh to the program you want to share and click that on, on, on your desktop. And it should come up. Okay. There you go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, just takes it. I'm still a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> well, today's subject is uh, Venus insufficiency. And um, Venus insufficiency is a very broad topic because it concerns the uh, veins of the body and all the uh, arteries uh, in the body end up uh, in touch with the veins through the uh, capillaries. So it starts from the head to the toe. Um, it's all inclusive. However, varicose veins uh, happens to be the major source of venous insufficiency. And the venous in insufficiency is basically because of the failure on the part of the veins to uh, perform as they were physiologically designed to do. That is, bring the blood back to the heart both from the foot, the ends of the fingers, and from the head, all of the blood returns to the heart through the uh, veins and empties into the veins where it's refreshed and then recirculated from the heart in the arteries. So that covers a lot of territory. The major uh, problem associated with uh, venous insufficiency happens to be varicose veins. And varicose veins, I would say uh, over 80 million people in the U.S. suffer from that. that that's uh, one quarter of the population, the population being somewhere near 330 million people. So you can see it's, it's pretty extensive. Uh, and the question is, why do we have varicose veins? Who has varicose veins? How do we treat them? Uh, and how do we uh, uh, classify them? All of those questions I'll try to answer uh, when we start off here. Um, first off, uh, veins are, they come in different sizes. 
very small ones, which we call spider veins or telangiectasia. And these are primarily um, related to hormone, hormone, uh, the estrogen hormone. Women have these primarily in the uh, lateral thigh. Um, they are not uh, associated with varicose veins. And uh, both men and women have estrogen and testosterone. Some people feel that the presence of these veins is a reflection of the sensitivity of the particular person to the hormone. And because these veins appear in women more than men in this sort of a rainbow pattern around the lateral thigh, uh, it's associated with the estrogen uh, factor. Now, this is not to say that um, only women have these, but these are, are veins that most men don't complain of. And I have seen perhaps one at most two in my 50 years of working with the venous system in males. These are not, <clears throat> pardon me, going to um, go beyond um, where they are now. They may get larger, but uh, the female pattern is what it's associated with. Now, we speak of uh, male and female patterns. This is male pattern baldness. So this is related to the testosterone uh, in men. Not all, not all men have it, but uh, quite a few do. But this is the pattern of baldness and it's associated with the hormone. Now the balance of hormones, estrogen, testosterone, uh, plays a very key role in normal sexual uh, activity and um, prowess. The um, excess of female hormone estrogen in, in the male can lead to such things as gynecomastia, which is breast enlargement in men, and uh, undescended testes, um, and uh, short stature. That's, uh, these are all associated with uh, extra estrogen in, in men. Uh, but women also have uh, this male hair pattern in certain instances. That's an indication that the uh, male hormone is a little overactive in the female. So this uh, hair pattern is not limited to Caucasians, but we all have it, men. Uh, black and white, oriental, what have you. Now, these are spider veins, too. Their size is small, very similar to the ones that I showed you in the thigh. Um, but these are associated with these darker blue veins. You see these? And these veins lead into, actually, the spider veins lead into these larger blue veins. And these are uh, a prognostic of possible uh, varicose veins. So these need to be attended to from a medical point of view. Um, treatment of these will be uh, discussed a little later, but these are just the beginnings of the classification of, of varicose veins. Varicose veins are classified in accordance with <clears throat> a system that the uh, American Venus Forum had uh, decided upon in 1994. 
And that classification um, is primarily for uh, physicians, but it's also helpful in the development of standardizing what we're looking at or what we're speaking of when we talk about varicose veins. The, it's called the CHEAP system or, or CEAP system, which uh, is based on C is for clinical, clinical appearance. And the E is for the etiology or the cause of the condition. And A is the anatomic uh, appearance of the vein. And uh, P is for the pathophysiology associated. So this would be classified as a, um, a C1, almost a C2. Now, C0 <clears throat> is the beginning of the cheap system because they, they feel that there are seven stages of varicose veins, with C0 being the non-symptomatic uh, <clears throat> and uh, no obvious appearance of, of varicose veins or spider veins. So that's C0. C1 <clears throat> is telangiectasia, which I'm showing you now, and the reticular veins. Uh, C2 is the uh, appearance of varicose veins, <clears throat> which are these. Now these may be perfectly asymptomatic, except perhaps for a little <clears throat> fatigue or minimal swelling at the end of the day, if, if you have a long standing occupation such as a waitress, or even if you're sitting for a prolonged period, such as a bus driver or someone who sits all day, <clears throat> you build up uh, hypertension in the vein system because they're not performing as they should. They're not bringing the blood back from the foot to the head, and I'll explain that a little later. <clears throat> now, this is another uh, appearance of uh, varicose veins starting, and this is what we call uh, C, C2, C3. Actually, uh, this is the discoloration of the skin around here, which means that the blood is leaking through the veins and getting into the skin, depositing uh, hemosiderin, which is a breakdown product of the red blood cell. And it's brown because of the iron in the uh, hemosiderin. And over time, this condition makes the leg feel very firm. The skin feels firm, almost like wood, and we call it woody induration. And then, they, of course, then we get more into the uh, ulcers, which is uh, C5. And we have, of course, various gradations from C0 to C6. But this is when we have the open ulcer. C5 is when the ulcer is like this, but it will heal on its own. Or uh, it may uh, not require extensive medical professional care. But by elevating the legs, eliminating some of the drainage of the uh, residual blood in the lower leg, and um, warm compresses, it may heal. Here, it's a little worse. It's, you're getting the swelling in the leg, the discoloration, and the ulcer. 
So here we have uh, what we call uh, a C6. Now, the, looking at the circulatory system, we have uh, veins that accompany all the arteries in the body, all starting off in the heart. The veins that we're talking about in this instance of the leg is the um, superficial, I'm sorry, the superficial uh, greater saphenous vein here. And this runs all the way down to this area. Now, this is the greater saphenous, but so there, if there's a greater, then there must be a, a lesser saphenous too. Well, that's here. It goes to the back of the leg and down to the outside ankle area. Now, all the blood in the body starts from the foot, looking at this end of the body. It goes uphill to the heart. Now the heart pumps the blood through the arteries, but it pumps it downhill and it has a major pump that's propelling the blood. At the end of the arterial circulation, it goes into small vessels that we call capillaries. And the capillaries are joined at the other side uh, of the uh, flow by the veins. So that's the connection between the arteries and the veins. Now the blood begins, the uphill journey. And from the head, of course, it, it's a downhill flow, but it's a lot easier. And from the hands and fingers, it's uphill, depending on what position your hand or arm is in. But in the legs, it's statistically significant that the uh, veins and the are subjected to this uphill requirement. So therefore there are five to six valves in the veins between the groin and the ankle in the great in the femoral vein and in the saphenous vein a total of about five to six valves the valves allow an upward motion each time the um, calf muscle propels and the calf muscle is considered to be the venous pump. That's what circulates the blood in addition to a small amount of pressure from the um, flow from the capillaries in the foot up, which given by, driven by the heart. The, um, The blood, the body contains about uh, two and a half, rather, I'm sorry, one and a half gallons of blood or uh, nine to 10 pints in the average uh, man who's um, six foot and weighs about 200 pounds. Now, this is variable. It could be uh, between uh, 10 and 12 pints of blood or five liters. And in the woman, it's a little less because of a smaller size, a five foot uh, tall uh, female weighing about 165 pounds, you have a little less blood, say nine pints. And of course, in an infant, in a child, everything is based on weight. Now that means that the blood must weigh something when it gets to the lower part of the leg. And we measure the weight 
of the blood in terms of uh, columns of mercury. And <clears throat> the weight, as you can see down here, it's roughly 40 milliliters of uh, 40 milligrams of uh, mercury weight. And up at the arm, it's a little less. And of course, with the negative flow here, it's zero from the head, it's minus 10, but the blood all has to get back to the heart. And so with the weight of the blood being pushed up, there must be some system to do that. That system happens to be the calf muscle of the leg. It's called the venous pump. And you, as you can see in a static situation, the weight of the column of blood can be up to 90 millimeters of mercury at the foot and 40 at the mid-calf level. When you walk, you flex that calf mus muscle, pushing the blood up. And that's the pumping effect. It reduces by half the weight of the column of blood. So in a situation where we have varicose veins, the blood collects in the lower part of the, of the leg and uh, makes the, uh, it, it extravasate, it, it comes out of the uh, vein itself in the form of uh, plasma and over time the, the blood cells, which we saw break down and deposit in the skin. Now the valves of the vein are these little outpouchings that are very, very thin, paper thin. And when the valves open, when you walk or when you compress the uh, vein from the foot, it pushes the blood up. But at the termination of that compression, gravity pulls it back down, the blood. The valves are supposed to close. And that is the normal operation of these uh, veins. However, in the uh, the healthy vein, this is the way it functions. But in the diseased vein, we see the valves just do not work for various reasons. The vein may be wider, the diameter may be increased because of the weight pulling the valves apart, or the valves fail because of the increased weight on the valves. So the blood collects in the lower part of the, of the leg. Now, more than uh, a million people in the U.S. Uh, suffer from uh, leg ulcers, uh, which is about uh, 1%. And uh, 70 to 90% of the ulcers in the leg are below the, below the knee, caused by the venous uh, failure to function properly. Um, more than 50% of the ulcers below the knee uh, in any patient happens to be secondary to uh, varicose veins. And of course, uh, because of these uh, difficulties with blood collection in the lower leg, uh, there's pain, mobility limitations, and other consequences. Ulcers have been associated with increased rates of depression and substantial decreases in um, the patient's quality of life. 
Now, veins, uh, varicose veins, have been in existence for a very long time. The first uh, medical recording was by um, was found in the papers of. Well, we don't use papers at this time. It was papyrus uh, writings um, in 1550 B.C. And uh, that was a long time ago, as you know. And Hippocrates, who was supposed to be the father of medicine, advised against surgical um, management of these uh, of these of this disease. Um, historically, we have found that the varicose vein treatment started basically as non-invasive. Uh, so it was at least non-surgical, but we were treated with various uh, potions, lotions, treating the ulcers because this is the extreme condition that we see. And um, these veins were, were, were treated conservatively as we would call it today. Back in uh, 1960, uh, Three, a doctor in Ireland, is George Fegan, started with the, he changed the system of treatment. The system of treatment at that time had been the patient standing and we could uh, treat just the veins that we could see uh, just with the naked eye. And so that would mean the veins that we showed you before is varicose veins, which usually are in the lower leg. You couldn't see what was up here. But with the attempts at treating the veins in a standing position using the drugs such as uh, sotradecol and um, polydocanol, these are drugs that originally uh, derived uh, in places where there were lots of varicose veins and they were using every conceivable method of, of treatment to affect the inner lining of the vein to make the vein close. And these medications came primarily from England and Ireland. And Dr. Fegan was at uh, Trinity College in Dublin. And at that time, he was using this system, the standard standing and injecting. But he decided to uh, elevate the leg and uh, try to empty the vein. So we have this uh, Trendelenburg um, position in which the uh, foot is elevated and the head is, is lowered just a little so as to drive the blood back towards the heart. He thought that uh, by emptying the vein, the medication could be more effective in reaching the vein itself because blood tends to dilute the effectiveness of any drug that you put in it. So to try to empty the vein and made it uh, much easier to affect the endothelium or the lining of the vein, which needed to be disturbed in order to make it scar. And by scarring, the vein would close and you would, you would have treat, treated the effective area. This was um, the uh, seminal paper at that time, and um, most, uh, well, I would say a great number of surgeons came to Ireland to 
watch uh, Dr. Fegan do use this procedure. Now, Vein Clinics of America um, was the number one vein treatment um, company in the U.S. starting in about 1988. And they used